calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody for the 100th time this is sarah century one of your hosts of bitches on comics which is now 100 one fucking hundred 100 this is se flinor your other host i cannot believe this is our 100th episode one this is so exciting like ah uh, and most of our podcast existed through the pandemic. I just want to point that out. I just want to name it. I just want to say it has been a huge part of my mental health plan is getting to come on this podcast and talk to you, Sarah, and talk to our guests and answer listener questions. And you know what? I just I just love you all so much. I literally don't know who, what, who, or where I would have talked <laughs> in this time period <laughs> if it wasn't for this podcast. I feel like it is like almost a major part of my social interactions during the pandemic. And so I think that that has been something that also kept me on a fairly even kill. It's really nice to be able to talk to so many different people and to have so many conversations and for all of them to basically be coming from the same place and that like we all want representation. We all want the comics to like move forward while recognizing what was great before and finding so many like-minded people, I guess, has been just such a huge benefit of this podcast. Totally. I've I've made lifelong friends from people who are like, oh, I listened to your podcast and it, it inspired me to write comics criticism. And of course, what I did first was weep for a day and a half. And then I was like, so should we be friends? And now like some of my best friends are people I have met because of this podcast. People from other podcasts that we've had on, guests, just, you know, people who are listeners and who've tweeted at us, like you have made our lives so much better. And, and I like to think we've made yours better too. I hope so. I do hope, I hope so. so. And we like you a bunch. And we like this podcast and doing this podcast a lot. It is really nice and good and healthy, I think, for both of us. Because, yeah, I mean, you know how it is. I, like, grew up in a comics industry that was 
super hostile <laughs> to like pretty much anybody who wasn't straight white guy with very few exceptions, right? So I think that the way that we have kind of been able to look at what kind of readership and listenership and viewership there is out there and like how we're kind of seeing things expand and change over time has been really important. And I know that whenever I was like, 12 years old reading X-Men comics or something. If I was like, hey, in a bunch of years, there's going to be so many people like you, though. So don't even worry about it. Like, you don't have to worry about this. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. There's a lot of people who are having this exact experience that you're having right now. I think that would have meant a lot. And it was before the internet. So, you know, we all come to things differently. The world changes and all of that. But I think both of us were weird loner kids. And so being like, (laughs) oh, hey, we get to have these fun conversations that are things that I have been waiting to talk about for years. So it's nice to have that kind of be a thing. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think something else we do that is super special and maybe unique, maybe not, is that we talk about all kinds of comics. Like I love that we can talk about the weirdest, indiest comic that we just found on the internet. And we can talk about, you know, the classic Jean Grey comics. And we can talk about everything in between. And that to me is so exciting because I think so often we're we're siloed and you like indie comics or you like mainstream comics. You like superhero comics or you like, you know, this kind of comic. Tell me where I'm wrong, Sarah, but I think it's true for both of us is that we're really eclectic readers and that's what we want to bring to this pod is, is these big conversations about how do we do this work together? Like you said, Sarah, how do we think about what representation looks like? And truly, how do we just continue to lift the profiles of queer and trans creators and, and women? How do we make sure that these are the stories that get in front of you? Because if one more motherfucker looks at like a 13-year-old fucking girl and hands her the Watchmen to start with, I'm going to fucking burn down, I don't know what, the shed we're destroying at my house. It'll be a symbolic victory, but I will burn it. I will burn it. (laughs) And it's like, hey, have fun with that 13-year-old me. You know, it's like whenever I was a kid, I was definitely reading a bunch of stuff that was really kind of messed up. It's like one of those weird things where you're like, maybe that was fine. But it's also like, hey, maybe that can't be the only thing that we hand people to be like, here, read this. And, you know, once again, having like some kind of consciousness, I guess, around who you're handing it to sometimes might be for the best. But hey, we'll figure it out as we go along, you know. And I think that that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of a big part of What is even happening just overall in comics is we're all figuring it out as we go along. Things are changing. We're in a different world. Sometimes it's too much the same old world. But you know what? There was good things about that, too. So it's nice just to be here, I guess, with everybody. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, you know, I think it's pretty cool that we're creating a a repository of things you can go dive into. And I think what's cool is that when we do talk about, for the most part, problematic people or or material, it's an episode. And, and so you can just dive in with us at different points. You can know that if you need a reading list of where to start, you can just go to our website and look at our comics of the week. And that's a great place to start. Read those comics. And if you're ready to have deeper conversations, like that's what the you know we do with our questions, our interviews, all that. And the truth is, it's impossible to keep in front of. <laughs> we can't go back in time, right? No. Sarah was mentioning something off mic that was like, oh, we did do a whole interview about this person. I'm not even going to say the name because like, that's not what today's about. But yeah, you know what? We can't go back and not have that conversation. But like, 
we can continue to move forward. And the truth is more people are going to come out being problematic. More people are going to come out of the closet. Like this is going to be a world that continues to morph and change. And I think that I'm just really glad to be here with you, Sarah. I'm really glad to be here with Kate Warner, our sound engineer. Kate, we think you're the tits. Thank Kate. If you like find Kate on Twitter, her handle is at soundbees for you. And they are our sound engineer, our sound editor, our friend, our compatriot. And they also are in the band Churchfire, which uh, especially if you live in Colorado, you absolutely must go see play live because they are super rad. You can buy their albums on Bandcamp as well. Hell yes. Kate, thank you for everything you do for us. Not just the editing, but being our friends, commiserating with us when things are difficult and always having our backs. We are so, so lucky to get to work with you. I also think that our music rules. Our music is so rad! And we have my dear, close, and longtime friend, Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill, does our soundtrack, also did the soundtrack for the Decoded episodes that we ran. Katie is basically a genius, and I highly recommend checking out her work. She does things that are experimental and strange, and I just sometimes don't think people quite understand how genuinely difficult it is to be a woman, you know, doing difficult, strange, weird electronic music. It is a Mm. huge pain. I've been there. It sucks. And there's good things to it, of course, but... It just is kind of a pain. And so I'm so glad that you all get to listen to Katie's music week after week. And, you know, it does my heart good because I think more people should recognize just what a brilliant composer she is. And I hope that she has plenty of soundtrack work ahead. Yeah, you need a you need a blurb for your pod. You need a little music. <laughs> Go hit a birth control pill. That's where it's at. Like Katie is the tits yet again. Thank you, Katie. We fucking love you. I also want to thank Maria Dong. Maria is a speculative writer. We had the opportunity to publish her incredible story, The Deck, in issue one of Decoded Pride. And then we kind of said, you cannot leave us, you must stay. And so she does all of our website stuff for us. So she helped us create our very cool websites. If you haven't checked them out, please go check out queerspec.com. Go make sure and click on everything because Maria made it really sexy and functional. And Maria's great at when I'm having a panic attack in the middle of the day because the Dakota story of the day isn't posting right and I don't know why it's not. Maria has always helped me and she just logs in, helps me figure it out, explains what went wrong, gives me tips on how to prevent it in the future and you can't ask for better than that. Maria Dong, we fucking love you. Yeah, your story is so good. And also, Maria was just very recently published in Nightmare Magazine, which is such a big deal. If you want to listen to a horror story podcast, Nightmare has its own podcast. And Maria's story is one of the most recent ones. So if you look right at the top of the list, you're probably going to see Maria's story. Hell yeah. Maria's been publishing like a boss. Go read her work. She's the tits. I also want to take a moment to thank Alex Wright from the Good, the Bad, the Basic pod. And M, of course, thank you both for coming on all the time as guests. But Alex has also been helping us out with some administrative work behind the scenes. It's just too much for Sarah and I to do. And we are deeply grateful to Alex for helping us crunch numbers, tabulate things, type words into things. And it takes a special soul to be like, you know what? Yes, I will help you with the things you hate. Alex, fucking love you. Thank you for being here with us. 
And of course, we have our almost sometimes guest hosts at this point, but Stephanie Williams and Monica Estrella Negra, both of which are amazing. And Monica is one of the editors for Decoded Pride, of course. So we have so many thanks for Monica that that's just like its own segment, basically. <laughs> Great work, Monica. You're the best. Obviously, one of our very favorite people. We have an ongoing group text forever. So it's pretty great. I love Monica and Monica's episodes are always really good. And Stephanie Williams, obviously a great creator. And also we just love having Stephanie on. Stephanie was one of our first guests and has just been so great and made like this joke of like, they'll really let you do whatever, you know, once you've been on this podcast so many times, they're like, well, you know where the things are in the fridge and like just kind of like walk <laughs> off. And it's just like, well, I'm glad that you feel that way because we really do feel that way too, because it's just always such a delight. We just couldn't be here without each and every one of you. And of course, we want to thank all of our guests. We don't even have time to list you all by name because there's been so many. Thank you to every single one of you for taking the time out of your day to come talk to us, a couple of nerds, about your beautiful work, your criticism, and what matters to you in comics and pop culture. The coolest thing about this pod is that we are so much more than one thing. And I love that. And that's that's created by our guests. So thank you to every single one of you. Again, we we know that our podcast is stronger and better because you have joined us. The patrons, right? Yeah. Gotta say what's up to y'all because you've been helping us. You really do help us keep our costs down. And that is so, so important. Thank you to everyone who's been a patron in the past, who has dipped in and dipped out at every level. Like Sarah said, you have made us more sustainable because you have helped us keep our costs down. Sarah and I run the pod at a deficit. We're at peace with that. Would we love to not? A uh, hell yes. So if you got an extra couple bones and you're like, well, you know what I like? A hundred episodes of Bitches on Comics and I want to see a hundred more. Come join us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash bitches on comics. But for all of our patrons... Even if you're not still with us on Patreon, uh, we are so deeply grateful for your time. We're deeply grateful for every penny you've sent our direction. Every single thing you have done has helped us make the podcast stronger and help us stick around longer. And I also want to take a moment to thank everybody who's taking the time to send us a question. Whether you reached out to us on Instagram or Twitter, shot us an email, or just saw me out in the wild and said, hey, I need to know about this. Thank you. You have helped us make this podcast what it is. When we started, we wanted to be an advice podcast because we knew that people were out there not engaging with comics because it's such a mystical process. So we're here to demystify. We're here to be on your team. And you let us do that every time you send us a question. And we are so, so grateful. We also want to thank all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. We know that there is a bunch of you. We've been watching our download count and it's increasing all the time. And I don't know what the current number is, but thank you all so much. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for streaming. Thank you for reviewing us on your favorite platform. You have helped us reach more people. Also, you've made me feel really good about myself. Like when you're like, ooh, I like your voice. I'm like, ooh, I like my voice better now too. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reviewing. Thank you for retweeting us. Thank you for believing in us. And to celebrate all of these things, we are here to talk about two of our very favorite comics. So y'all have a good one. It's been real cool. Uh, <laughs> good to see you. Good to talk. It's been Glad we cool. had this time. Had <laughs> we could catch up. 
have a good time with each other. And yeah, please enjoy the episode. But also, thank you so much for being here. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Today we're going to deviate a little bit from our usual format of either interviews or answering your questions. Today we're going to talk about a comic that is near and dear to both our hearts. I can almost guarantee one or both of us will cry. We're going to talk about Jane Foster as Mighty Thor. Mm-hmm. I am a deviant for Jane Foster, Mighty <laughs> Thor. <laughs> That's true. You are a deviant. <laughs> What's up, deviants? <laughs> Here we are to talk about it. Let's talk about, for instance, how severely gay I am for this comic. This is the greatest comic. It is so good. Jane Foster Thor. Whew, this is part of the greater Jason Aaron Mighty Thor, of course. If you don't like the Jason Aaron Thor, I get it. But that means that that is a whole chunk of Thor's story <laughs> that like that you checked out of because this guy wrote this comic for forever. And then part of his journey with Thor and the gods of Asgard was that he ended up telling this story where Thor stops being Thor and then Jane Foster becomes Thor. So we get the best Thor, and then we get the best Jane Foster, both at the same time. Jane Foster is definitely the best Thor, but Thor, the Odin son himself, he is his best version of himself because he starts this story sulking really badly because Jane Foster, aka the mysterious lady Thor that nobody knows the identity of in the very beginning, this is before the mighty Thor story that we talk about today. He pouts, right? Like, he's such a baby about it. And he's like, that's my hammer. <laughs> Give it back. And he has, like, such a death wish, too, because he, like, won't accept that he can't do what he used to do with, yeah. with Mjolnir. And so he, yeah, he, like, gets his arm ripped off by Malachi. It's, like, awful. 
yeah, he goes through hell in this story, and that is what makes him so good in it, right? Oh, he's so good. He grows so much in this. Like I said, it's just one of the best runs. There's a lot of incredible Thor stories. Like, I am a huge Thor fan. I don't know what your history is with the character, but we could talk about that for a second. Like, I have been reading this guy even in, like, the mid-90s or whatever, and then they canceled his series for a while. He comes back, and that series was, like, for me, not that great. And I kind of fell out with him for, like, a little while. But the Jason Aaron run is what got me back into reading Thor comics on a regular basis, I think, because of how epic it is. I think this is the run that also got me into it. You know, I mostly had read Thor in team-ups or... He would, like, show up for a little bit in a panel. Honestly, I read a lot of, like, Deadpool flirting with and, like, fawning over Thor. That, to me, is extremely cute. I always liked Thor. I actually like the MCU version of Thor, too. I think that, especially in Ragnarok, I think Taika Waititi tried to take Thor to these levels of, like, people think of Thor sometimes, I think, as, like, a meathead or, like, like a precious little prince. And, yes, okay, that is part of his journey, absolutely. But he really is super, like, thoughtful, and he's someone who has a great sense of humor and who wants to do the right thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he becomes worthy of Mjolnir. I also love that in this run with Aaron and Dodderman, we get to hear the history of Mjolnir, like, in a way where we never really have before. And that is, like, so fun. There's a whole issue, I think, dedicated to it. It's actually, it's Jane as Thor learning the history of Mjolnir. We get to like peek over her shoulder, which is like, oh, I love a world building like a side. I know, you know, like everyone's like, don't do too much world building. People want to read plot. I'm like, give me the world building. Mm-hmm. Take me on an adventure with Mjolnir. <laughs> like, I learn so much in the early Stanley Jack Kirby stuff. It's really good. It's so good. But his whole thing is, is that he wants to be a hero so desperately. He wants to be the Odin son and like he wants to uh. be Thor so much that he's not always very mature. Yeah. We go into like the Walt Simonson run, you know, there's all of these moments of massive character growth for this guy. And Yet, I would say in the last 20 years, he's grown as a character more than almost any of the Marvel characters because he goes from being this person who desperately wants to be a hero to somebody who's gone through hell because he's died. He's saved Asgard. He's just gone through hell. He's lost his hammer. Like he's lost everything that made him who he was. And then he has to rebuild himself. So all of that stuff is great. Now... (laughs) One character who didn't do great in the early days or most days was Jane Foster, who was, you know, the creators were guilty of doing that typical she's the girlfriend kind of stuff with her forever. Thor tried to bring Jane to Asgard before because he was like, she's going to become a god and she's going to be alongside me and she's my partner. Jane Foster was rejected. Like, she was sent back to Earth, right? you aren't worthy even just to be Thor's, like, Mm -hmm. companion. Mm -hmm. And so she leaves. Of course, Thor always has been torn in his heart between Asgard and Earth. Like, he goes back and forth between them. 
And it's the same. He loves Jane Foster. He loves Lady Sif. You know, like there's always that kind of duality about him where he was constantly trying to define himself as one or the other. But there was not a lot of crossover. So like it's very interesting to look at that character. Jane Foster kind of just went through these long periods of not really having that much to do or being, I'd say, a minor supporting character at best. And... She made appearances once again, but like not as a heavy hitter. You know, she was just a human and like all of that stuff. Right. But she was a doctor. She still is a badass, like no matter what. But she just didn't get her chance to shine. So (laughs) so it is that whenever we make it to this era of Thor, once again, first of all, it's the mysterious lady. We don't know who it is when we find out who it is and why it is. Uh. Yeah. That's all I got. I'm just got a a large groan is all I have. Keep going. Big yell. I mean, it's hard to even put words to it because you find out that Jane Foster is dying of cancer Mm -hmm. and it's bad and she's not getting better. And instead of trying to focus on her healing, she's Thor. So she goes out and like every time she returns to her body, her body is just that much weaker, right? So it's kind of the same as like the Donald Blake thing where Donald Blake would hit his cane against the floor and then he becomes Thor. So that's kind of the situation that she has a little bit. She goes between being Jane Foster and being Thor. Yeah, Mjolnir transforms her. Yeah, I think that what's interesting is there's sort of two starting places to read this. You can read with, and I believe it's before Secret Wars, there's two volumes, so about 10 issues. And same creative team then picks it up again once Secret Wars starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing the math in the shower this morning because why not? My brain is too <laughs> busy. And I think there's like either 41 or like 51 comic issues in this run if you include the ones before Secret Wars. If not, it's like 31 or 41. Mm-hmm. And they are epic. I mean, every single issue is yeah. beautiful. The art is incredible. The Even like some of the later art Jen Bartel comes in on when they do like sort of a flash forward from the end of the arc which is like really fun because we get to meet Thor's granddaughters who are all mm-hmm. Thor's and they're so funny. <laughs> they're yeah. Like, so queer them. and like such a mess and it's adorable. And so what Thor's daughters would be. Like. Oh yeah. They like drug their grandfather so they can go to Midgard. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, Thor, you got what was coming to you. <laughs> For real. Yeah, so the whole thing's just, like, so irresistibly... Loki in it, right? Oh, Loki's so good! Loki is such the villain and such the reluctant villain, Mm -hmm. too. And Mm -hmm. so if you are a big fan of Loki, you're going to want to catch, especially that first arc, right? Whenever Loki ends up fighting this Thor, that rules, and it's good. (laughs) I say check that out. If you're a Loki fan, you will love it. Yeah, I I think it's some of the best Loki appearances outside of like Journey into Mystery and Loki, Agent of Asgard, which I think both pick up after this. If Or they may they may overlap. He might be doing like some of those things while he's doing this. I don't really remember how it all lines up. Yeah, so in the first two volumes that come out before Secret Wars, everyone's like, who's this lady Thor? Who's this girl Thor? I didn't know Thor could be a girl. And then she just like kicks all of their asses. And they're yeah. like, Oh, damn. I don't know who that Thor is, but that's a Thor. Not a Lady Thor. Not a girl Thor. That is Thor, you know? <laughs> is it? I don't want to get their names wrong, but I feel like I might. It's Absorbing Man and Titania. Is that the couple? Yes. Yes. It's it's 
It's Creel and, yeah, Titania, yeah. Yeah, and then they have that fight, and then— Oh, my God, uh, I love that! Titania knocks him out, and then is just like, get out of here. I'm not trying to fight a lady, Thor. Like, I respect you. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's like, put us in jail. It's fine. Like, we're cool. Yeah. It's, like, so sweet. Oh, I love that. It is so sweet, and it was, like, literally— that character has been around forever, and I'm just— baffled, you know, that we finally, finally are making it to good Titania <laughs> representation all of a sudden. It's like, thank finally. God. Like, yeah, she gets exactly. to do something that's genuinely just fucking cool. And, like, she's so funny in it because, like, do I think this is good relationship dynamics? No. Is it funny in a comic about villains? Yes. She's like, I don't know. Creel's eye gets to wander if he spends too long out of jail. So, I'm happy that you're putting us back in. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> like, do it. What a bitch. I love it. I love it. Oh, so fun. So yeah, really those first two issues are kind of a lot of adventures, laying the groundwork. There's not a big arc there other than like, who's this Thor? And Odin like calls her the thief Thor. So she's not real in Odin's mind. False Thor. I love false Thor. Odin's such a dick in this. That's it. It's like totally metatextual, right? Like uh-huh, all of the uh-huh. all of the fanboys in the world were just such jerks about this and like, why's Thor gotta be a woman? And like so annoying. And I love that there's a commentary on that. Literally mm-hmm. in the comic, they're just like, no, these guys are being absolute jackasses to this new Thor. And it doesn't matter. She just completely does what she needs to do anyway. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and I love that she, like, calls Odin out. She kicks Odin's ass a couple times, yeah. and Odin's like, you're a girl. And she's like, oh, what's your point? Shall I hit you in the face with the hammer you could never tame and don't deserve? And he's like, that's my hammer. And she's like, LOL, doesn't seem to think so. And that's really cool. I love that we get into Mjolnir's personality as a, if not wholly living, somewhat living entity. It certainly has a personality that Jane Foster hears Mjolnir's voice. And and at one point, Thor's like, wait, is Mjolnir talking to you? She's like, (laughs) yeah. And he's like, what? Mjolnir (laughs) never talked to me. And you're just like, who's the mighty Thor now? And Thor gets it. He's like, yeah, she's the mighty Thor. Like, she obviously should have the hammer. He's not happy at first. He's a salty little punk about it. But he comes around and then he has her back, you know? Yeah, he has to. And it's so good. Because he doesn't know that it's Jane for the longest time. Oh, like, yeah. Even for after we definitely know, like, he does not piece it together. He thinks he pieces it together. He's sure that it's, like, one of his exes, you know? Like, he just doesn't... Oh, no, he figures out it's Jane. And then Mjolnir changes into Jane. Yeah. And shows up in the same place. Never explained. Personally, don't need it explained. Love it. I'm like, yeah. Mjolnir can do anything. Okay, fantastic. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, and the hammer is 100% just like, yeah, stop bugging me. She's the Thor. <laughs> like, it's like, it. oh, come on, Thor, pull it together. Yeah, very interesting to see sentience there. And of course, it's Jane. You know, like, of course, Jane's the one that has that rapport. That only makes sense. Well, and so, you know, Thor loses his worthiness when Nick Fury whispers something in his ear. I don't remember what it is. They never say, I don't think. Okay. I don't know. I didn't know if they did an unworthy Thor, which I have only read like one issue of. They might have. Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere in there. But it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what he said. It is seemingly a truth about Thor that makes Thor realize Thor's unworthy. 
And so Mjolnir falls out of his hand and he spends days, months, years, I don't even remember, like mm-hmm. trying to lift it on the surface of the moon and, and, and <laughs> can't and can't and can't. Then Freya, the all-mother, shows up, looks at the enchantment and adds the letter S. And the enchantment, of course, is whosoever shall be worthy, he will be able to wield Mjolnir. And she's like, ooh, she will be able to. Mm-hmm. And then Jane Foster's in Asgardia, the mini Asgard where the gods now live. And she hears the calling of the hammer. And so she like crosses the Bifrost Bridge. And we don't, you know, this doesn't all happen in order. This is like me piecing together the narrative. Right. Like, I mean, this is 30 issues between her picking up the hammer and us seeing her go to pick up the hammer, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's on the Bifrost Bridge. And Heimdall is like, where are you going? And she's like, can't you hear it? It's calling me. And he's like, Okay, and opens the bridge for her, which then also makes you realize Heimdall kind of knew the whole time and Mm -hmm. didn't tell anybody, which is really cool because he was under a lot of pressure to do so, right? Like Odin was losing his shit over like, we have to find this Thor. We must punish this Thor, this imposter, this, um, you said false Thor, right? Yeah. See, this is why I like Heimdall, though. <laughs> oh, Heimdall's so cool. Like, yeah, and that, and I just have so much respect there for, for him, and 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 for Jane. You know, she has breast cancer. She is very sick. She's going for cancer treatments. Gets woken up in the middle of the night to go to the moon <laughs> mm-hmm. and pick up the hammer, and she does because she's worthy. That's why because the hammer calls to her, and that's why she fuck. does it. And she hides from everyone that she is Thor in part because she knows what they're going to do, which is exactly what they do, which is guilt her and tell her you're too sick to be doing these things. At one point, Cull, which is Odin's brother, kicks her out of the Senate of Worlds, I think maybe is what it's called, or the World Consortium. I don't remember. And she was a senator for Midgard. And then they're like, well, you're too sick. If your body's sick, you can't do anything. And I felt like that was like, so gut-wrenching because I think so many people who are chronically ill are told that, are told like, there's no place for you in society to be active because you're sick. And it's like, what? That's ridiculous. Like, so unfair. So then, you know, what's happening, like Sarah said, is whenever she picks up the hammer, it purges her body of all poisons. What is technically a poison? Chemotherapy. What is not a poison, but just a part of her body? Cancer. So, Mjolnir or her Thor configuration, I don't know, transformation doesn't exactly get explained. Doesn't need to be. (laughs) That, you know, makes her Thor. And when she's Thor, she's strong. She's not sick. She could stay Thor forever. But if she sets down the hammer or it gets knocked out of her hand or she throws it, she transitions back into being Jane. And she's sicker and sicker, like Sarah said. And it is, it's hard because that even once people do know, when Thor does know, he's like, just don't pick up the hammer. And she's like, there are babies being killed on Niflheim. Mm-hmm. Like, is it not my job to go there? Is it not my job to help people who are suffering, who are calling out my name and praying for me? And that's like a moment for Thor, who like has not answered prayers a lot in his life, you know? I don't know. It's just she she presents so many conundrums for the people around her because she's so clear about what she's there to do. She's like, if it takes my life, it takes my life. Are not the legions of lives I save more more important than mine? And you're just like, fuck, no wonder she's worthy. <laughs> oh my God, she's so worthy. She is so worthy. And uh, 
Way back in the day in this episode, I wanted to mention that Nick Fury is totally like the scandalous fucking guy who's going to like say some shit that makes you be like, I don't even want to be here. Yeah, totally. I just, I give up. I give up. I laughed because I was like, it would be Nick. (laughs) That fucker. Oh my God. The only person who is never like withered by his constant statements is Natasha essentially and that's why like she can continue working with him because she's just like shut up or he'll say something like you're not doing that and she's like I am doing it I already did it I am literally talking to you while doing it um which I always love anyway I digress but not so much right so um yeah, Mangog comes in. <laughs> Mangog, oh the God. old Jack Kirby Thor villain, comes Who's back. Who's so and- cool looking. I love Mangog. So Odin got pissed at someone. Who knows why? Did they invade Asgard? Did Odin just get a wild hair and decide, you know what, screw him? He kills an entire race of people. And at the collective moment of their passing, their rage is so strong, it does not dissipate, but manifests into Mangog. Yeah. And Mangog hears all the unanswered prayers of the gods and then is their ultimate judgment. What? Uh, yeah, that's pretty sweet, right? And what a good villain, especially for Jane Foster, right? Jane Foster's Thor is so interesting because she has a lot of that original Thor quality without the ego, right? Like yes, she yes. has that kind of breezy charm and is always choosing the most heroic thing possible <laughs> in every situation. And to have that character who is almost just literally defined by hope versus Mangog, right? Is like such a cool villain. I don't think that it's a character that always works against Thor, right? And so it's interesting and made just such a such a good counterpart, I think. The timing of when Mangog arrives and the way that Mangog is used to highlight the other themes of the run is really incredible because there's, and we haven't even gotten to any of the side stories, but there's all these beautiful side stories, you know, one with Thor and mm-hmm. his hell dog, Thori, and his Thori. goat, Tooth Grinder. <laughs> like, I love so them. cute. Oh, Thor needs animals around him. He does. He's a better person when they're there, you know? It's just, like, so sweet. Thori is, like, the love of my life. I was going to say Thori, who I met in Journey into Mystery whenever Loki was trying to make Thori be his dog, and it was, like, not working. (laughs) I Um, forgot that. (laughs) Thori's like, no. I will rip out your heart. And, like, Loki's (laughs) just like, you will not. That is a bad doggy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I loved it so much. And um, but now Thori's all grown up, right? Yes. So oh, and Thori's so beautiful and breathes fire and oh my gosh. And it just wants to be a good dog who has Thor's back. And he's like, I will kill anyone who looks at you. And Thor's like, don't kill that person. He's like, all right, but I think I should kill them. (laughs) I am the best murder dog. I love Thori. Oh, so sweet. And then, yeah, Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder are there. They're such beautiful, cool goats. I love the art that they do around them in this. Um, So good. Tooth Nasher comes to a tragic end at the hands of Mangog. Yeah. But the other one I wanted to talk about is Warthor which is this really interesting sort of late in the the runs new character who comes about super tragic story. So the backdrop against which all of Thor's story is happening is that Malachith is starting 
a war of the realms. And Malachi is from Svalterheim, I believe. So he's like setting the whole sigil, right? The tree of life aflame, essentially. So going and taking over every realm. In different points, that's who Thor's fighting. And she's like, come on, Thor's. We got to fight against Malachi. Come on, gods. Like, what are you doing? Why are you sitting this out? And that's actually Loki is working for Malachi and for uh, Jotunheim and his father, Laufey. But then is he, you know, he's a double agent. Oh, or wait, is he a triple agent? Like, no one freaking knows. Best Loki. But uh, Warthor is actually Volstagg. And Volstagg, you'll remember, is a very large man with a big red beard who loves to eat. I love Volstagg. And Volstagg is on Alterheim. I can't remember. It's where the other elves live. And there's a war. There's like an incursion happening where like the fire people, whose names I can't even remember, come and they're like burning up everyone. And so he's a very large person. So he has like seven children he's holding. And he's like, I'm going to get you out of here, kids. And they're crying. And they're like, Volstagg, help me, help me, help me. And I think that's like a really recurring theme in all this run is people asking for help and whether or not they are met with help from these gods. I think that's a really interesting reckoning for, you know, so often I think we're like, really, if there was an all-powerful person, you're telling me they wouldn't have intervened at any of these horrific points in human history? And this right. is like a reckoning with that. So Volstagg's holding the children, and a firebomb is dropped on him. Volstagg is, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Sarah, actually not from Asgard, is like a person kind of like Hogan and, and some of the other folks who comes to Asgard to hang out with Thor and be a god, but is actually a fire goblin. So fire can't burn Volstagg. That's what I understand, yeah. Okay, good. But you know who it can burn is little baby elves. And so he is holding them as they're, like, burned. It is awful. And he has a mental break. I mean, I don't know how you could not, right? Like, he promised them he was going to get them out. Has this mental break, and in that time when his soul is just in anguish, a new Mjolnir one that I hadn't seen before, appears to him. This Milner is from, it was created in the final death throes of a dying universe. So it's an alternate universe of ours that dies. And all of that energy goes into this hammer, but it's a rage hammer. So where Mjolnir might bring out what makes you worthy, where, you know, Stormbreaker might bring out, you know, your ability to, I don't know, be pissed, this one corrupts you as you use it. And so Warthor isn't just out for retribution, though he gets it. He then can't see that he's become exactly the people who killed the children. So he's like on, I believe, Svalterheim again, and he is just like destroying people. And Jane shows up and she's like, don't hurt the children. And he's like, they're not children. They're elves and they're this kind of elf that's bad because Malachi is one of them. And she's like, no, they're children. They're just children. What are you doing? So then she, as mighty Thor, and Thor, as unworthy Thor, have to fight War Thor. But War Thor is like stronger than them, or so they think, until mighty Thor disarms him. And at one point, she's holding both hammers. And it's just like lightning all across the page. And like her body is like comprised of lightning at that point. And it is just like, oh my gosh, that is crazy cool. It was so cool. And then they put down their hammers. And as Jane Foster, she goes and she sits with him while he cries. And she like holds him. 
And he's like 30 times bigger than her. You know, he's a big dude. And she's like a small person, you know, very ill with cancer. I didn't know what to think of Warthor when they introduced him. I was like, huh, I want to see more Mighty Thor. Like, this feels like a distraction. And then I was like, no, this feels like it's dealing with the exact same issues. The reason Jane is worthy, right, is that she knows there's all these unanswered prayers and she wants the ability to help people. And I I thought that was just breathtaking and heartbreaking, you know? It is. I love it <laughs> so much. <laughs> Jane Foster, they've had a complicated romantic history, but there is no denying how much they just truly, truly love each other. And like as friends even, you know, Thor almost has to change how he sees Jane after this mm. because I think that subconsciously he might have bought into some of the stuff that people said you know and like was just like well she couldn't live here you know like because she's just immortal or whatever and I think here she just at every turn is the most human right and the most god right like how, how is she doing all of that because she's Jane Foster. <laughs> because she's Jane Foster and she's truly the most amazing. Like the fight scenes, the colors, uh, like oh, the, the characters, colors. like they bring her in all costume. of the characters. Her costume. So cool. Everything about this. And then like there's just so, so many times where like you will literally just weep. Like there's this scene where everybody's kind of being like, you're going to die. And then there's like these epic inner monologues, you know, and stuff like that. And the captions are just like, but there's only ever been one kind of a Thor story. Oh. And I cry every time because I'm just like, that's true though. And um, Jane Foster is the most Thor. Like Jane Foster's Thor is so good. And so it makes me very excited to see the movie because I'm just like, as much as everybody always has their feedback and like as much as I love Thor like I love Thor I think that he's such a cool character and he's one of my favorite Avengers probably my favorite of, of Captain America Iron Man Thor Thor is my favorite out of those three, oh yeah by a wide margin even though I like the other two at varying degrees right the least Iron Man but anyway. <laughs> unless he's played by RDJ <laughs> It makes me really excited because honestly, like if you are a Thor fan, I find it very questionable if you don't at least appreciate what he goes through and how he advances, like he becomes a better person because of this arc. Like that's what always stands out to me a lot is, is that it's like, oh, well now like the lady Thor, like replace Thor, like whatever the fuck. And it's just like, she doesn't replace him, but in the time that she is Thor, he improves. Like she is amazing and like everything we want her to be in this great hero. And she has this arc that is finite, like it ends right in yep. a way it'll come back again and again and again. Like now she's in like Jane Foster, the Valkyrie series, which is also rad. And like in, Anytime she comes back, it's going to be great. She rules, basically. But oh, yeah. that's the thing is he's always he was always going to go back to being like the Thor in quotations. Obviously, there's room around that. But he was always going to go back, right? Right. Thor was always going to be his given name. Like He's not going to yeah, stop like, being that, you know? So that's my thing is, is like, and he's the person who 90% of the movies are about and like all of yes, this. So yes. it's like, yeah, of course. But like, he's a better character after this. And he's a better character during this. And he's a more interesting character even in the beginning of this because he's really acting like a child. <laughs> and like, yep. it's just kind of nice to see him have to go through that growth. I think that, 
he's cool. She's cool. Loki's amazing in this. Thor so is good. amazing. So cute. Love Mangog coming back and being uh, such a huge threat to like everything. I love Warthor. I love like all of it, honestly. Like this is just a great, great, great series. Frigga is so cool in it, you know, the All-Mother and and her, like, disagreement with Odin and, like, Odin has to grow in it and we see all these yeah. new dimensions of Odin. Like, Odin and the Phoenix Force used to be a couple. What? Yeah. Like, what? I mean, I love the issue that's straight up about Mjolnir. Yeah. Mjolnir, we find out, is the the mother storm. So there used to be this huge electrical storm in space, and it would just, like, wipe out civilizations. And it was sentient, but, like, mostly destructive. So it, it seemed to have some aim, but they weren't clear what it was. Odin was called in to, like, help us all, Father. And so he's like, oh, I got this, a storm, come on, no big deal. Turns out, very big deal. And so he has to, like, wrangle it, and then he gets it wrangled, but then they have to put it in something. And they encase it in Uru, which is one of the hardest metals in the universe. The mountain dwarves have to, like, you know, shape it. And it takes them, like, I don't know, it's like days and days or weeks and years. I don't know. Long time. And they're all, like, sweaty. That's what I remember. They're sweating a lot, and their mountain is starting to melt (laughs) because they had to make their forge so hot. Odin, you dick! And then Odin's like, cool, now I'm going to have this cool hammer I'm going to take everywhere. (laughs) And he, like, you know, swings it and, like, goes to fly off of it. And the storm's like, I hate you. (laughs) So kicks his ass, like, takes him, like, so fast all over. He's like, oh, my God, I'm going to be sick. Oh, this is terrible. And that's why he puts the enchantment on the hammer. Because he's like, if I'm not worthy, no one is. So then Thor, and we get to see this in snippets throughout these issues, and then obviously it's it's played a big role in the films and the this and the that and the other. He like wants to be worthy. So he goes and he saves a bunch of Vikings and then comes back to Asgard and tries to lift up the hammer. And he's like, oh, it moved a half inch. Okay, okay. Now he like goes and he fights these trolls and he comes back and he's like, okay, it moved three quarters of an inch. Okay, okay, okay. And so then, you know, the idea that in lieu of that, all Jane does is be herself and become worthy, that's really, really amazing. And the idea that Mjolnir is alive and thinking and and capable of collaboration at a level, there's a point where Jane is in a fight and she says something to Mjolnir. And then Mjolnir flies around the room and knocks out like 12 people. But like in all kinds of different directions and is zigging and zagging, the art looks so cool. And when it's done, Thor says, Mjolnir never did that for me. And you're just like, yeah, because you weren't on like Mjolnir's wavelength the way Jane You were is. not listening. <laughs> yes, you weren't. Oh, such a good way of putting it. You weren't listening. Uh, yeah, I think there's just so much beauty in these pages and, and so little condemnation, I think, of anyone. Even Warthor, we know he gets corrupted, but they're like, yeah, I can get why you would do that. And like, you know, there's a point where Jane is told, like, if you pick up the hammer one more time, you're, you're going to die. And she's like, okay, fine. I won't pick up the hammer. Like, I'll get better. And uh, she she grabs the hammer. And Thori, the dog, looks at her, the demon dog, and is like, why would you choose that? And she's like, there has to be a Thor. And it's just like, I'm weeping, you know, in my in my bed reading in the morning. Just like, <laughs> yeah. there has to be a Thor and it has to be her. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. And of course, I mean, like, yeah, this is where it's like, literally, I'm about ready to spoil the ending. So stop listening. If you haven't had a chance to read this comic, stop listening actually a while ago. If you haven't had the chance to read this comic. (laughs) The part where um, 
Thor and Jane Foster oh. have to go their separate ways because Jane very <laughs> clearly is going to die. And he's like, I don't know what to say. And she's like, say goodbye. And oh, it's just Sarah. like, oh, fuck you. Fuck I'm you. Now I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. How can you even say those words without crying? Like, of course, everybody has to cry when you read this because it's like, it's You're so legally un- required to. <laughs> I just, I like, who I cannot make it through too many issues of this comic without crying. Even whenever like Loki stabs his mom in the back and everybody is like, you're so cold. And he's just like, his eyes are like tearing up like the whole time. And he's just like, yep. I'm a stone cold <laughs> bastard. Yep. And it's <sighs> just so upsetting and moving. And yeah. So I love like, I love the Jason Aaron Thor. I don't know if I'm with it like every single step of the way, but I do love it overall. And this was a time obviously where a lot of these characters were getting reimagined in really exciting ways. So I do want to also give a shout out. Obviously, Journey into Mystery, the Loki part, like where it was uh, written by Kieran Gillen. That's like just an epic. It's like 35 issues about the same as this. And I think it does a lot with Loki's character in the same way that this does with Jane Foster. I definitely walked away from it being just a huge Loki fan. And I don't know if I had been that before. So I loved Loki in that story. However, whenever that series drew to a close, there was like a 10-issue arc that featured Lady Sif. And I highly, highly recommend that. I believe it was written by Catherine Eminen. And it is so, so worth it. I think a lot of people stopped reading Journey into Mystery at the very end of Loki's arc. But there is, as I say, one more arc. And if you love, first of all, how Loki was treated in those comics and how great Jane Foster is because Lady Sif was another one of those characters that a lot of times she was just like pining over Thor and it was really goofy because obviously she's as cool as Thor. So why is she like... You know, it just didn't really make a lot of sense. And then, of course, like, Walt Simonson, like, wrote a more interesting Lady Sif. You know, there's been a lot of people who jump in sometimes, but she just doesn't get the spotlight that she deserves. So I think in that series, I would have loved to have seen that go for, like, 35 issues because I think that we would review it as being about as epic as this if it had had the same exact space and time because Beverly Bill's in it and, like, it's just really good. And you get to see Sif be just such an interesting character. So I would highly recommend recommend that on top of this like when you finish reading this comic obviously if you haven't read that journey into mystery check that out as well but this very last arc of journey into mystery that had sif just absolutely incredible i was sad sif wasn't in the third thor and then when <laughs> at the beginning of infinity war when everyone died or was it Endgame? I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah. It was one or the other. I was like, oh, never mind. I'm actually really glad she wasn't on that ship. And yeah. I keep hoping that they'll like, like I think Sif would be perfect for a, a Disney Plus series. You know, she's interesting. She's cool. She obviously was doing her own thing. Like, what was she doing? Let's see. So yeah. I don't know. I keep holding out hope that they'll they'll go there with her because she's such a. I want Amora to character. come back. As I like, want Lorelai to be there too. Oh like, my I god, Lorelai for know? them to be because like Sif is always just trying to be decent to them, even though she like definitely high key hates them both. Oh yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> I just think that there's something funny about that as plotting as like Amora and Lorelai both can be and for Sif just to be like I'm not plotting I do not plot I do <laughs> like, not plot I I I stab 
I destroy. I <laughs> She's I like, fight me. And they're just like, why don't we just flirt with you? And she's like, ugh, damn it. My only weakness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. She was in an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it was right. one with Laura Lai, which I actually thought was a really good episode. But uh-huh. yeah, I just, I'm like, give me more. Give me more. I want Sif. Yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really does shine when they have those great guest stars. Oh, yeah. That central cast is great, but Maria Hill has, like, her best appearance, right? Like, she's mm-hmm. the funniest in that by far. She's so funny. <laughs> she's so funny in that. I want that Maria Hill to have a lot of appearances. Maybe she can pop up in our Lady Sif series. Anyway. Okay, all I'm saying is Disney, call us. We've got thoughts. We love Jane <laughs> so much. <laughs> I cannot wait for the fourth film. Let's talk about that like behind the scenes pick of Natalie Portman oh with her bulked out muscles, which I have sent into the group chat 500 times At now, least. probably. At least. Because I'm always just like, every time somebody says something like, am I going to have to get tough? I'm just like, (laughs) like, here's Natalie Portman. And I love Natalie Portman. I don't know anything bad about her. I'm not saying there isn't anything bad about her, but I think she's delightful. I always felt like she was kind of, she was in between, I think, in the Thor Mm -hmm. films. Like, they they didn't underutilize her entirely. Like, I like that she got to be, you know, the reason she meets Thor. She's this, you know, astrophysicist. Mm -hmm. And I liked all those things about her. I think she's like super interesting and compassionate. I think she and Chris Hemsworth have great chemistry, like which is really nice, but like also can't quite make it work, which I love. I love people who are like so good on screen together, but their relationship dynamics don't play out. Like they just can't get them to work because they're like, you know, a god and a human. So I can't wait to see how Taika Waititi you know, what direction he takes this in. I think it like, okay, uh, you told me that Valkyrie is going to get a wife and be the king of uh, Asgard. Okay, check. I like that. You tell me that Jane Foster is going to be Thor. Uh, Check. I like that. You tell me Thor is going to go on his own adventure where he learns more about himself. Check. I like that. Like, I'm in. And I'm pretty sure Korg is coming back. So I'm pretty pumped. I hope Thori makes an appearance. Oh my God, that'd be so cute. I would die. We love this comic. Go read Mighty Thor. We'll put the numbers somewhere. The 2015 run. Go read it. Everyone, Patreon is such an amazing platform. I like to subscribe to artists and support them and stuff, and often I get a bunch of free content. Guess what? We have a Patreon and we give a bunch of free content. You could go to our website, patreon.com slash bitches on comics, which once again you have to spell out B I T C E. No, that's H E S O N C O M I C S. Yeah, S is the one that can do that part. Because I did a lot of takes to learn it. You did, you did. I remember sitting with you. It was like watching somebody train for the Olympics. And. <laughs> You've never gotten it wrong since. Like, you've never gotten it wrong since. So I, however, fucking lazy, just doing whatever I want in life, um, (laughs) don't have it together. Can't say the name of the Patreon you're supposed to go to, but do wish you'd go check it out. (laughs) You can join us for as little as $2 a month, as much as money as you got in the bank every month. Like, don't, like, not take care of yourself, but we would take it. We love this podcast. We want to do it forever. 
help us out, support us. Again, we're at patreon.com slash bitches on comics. You have to spell it out because if you don't, it won't pull up. You can't like go to patreon.com and be like, I'm going to look for some bitches because we will not show up because we do content that involves F-bombs. We have our intoxicated comics where we enjoy some sweet refreshments, <laughs> did, and then talk about comics. So Definitely talk about weed. There's a reason. Yeah, it's a den of vice over here. <laughs> <laughs> a den of vice. <laughs> comic of the week is Dazzler from 1981. Shining script by Tom DeFalco. Eye-popping pencils by Frank Springer. Illuminating inks by Blondie and Gill. Climactic colors by R. Sliffer. Luminescent lettering by Joe Rosen. <laughs> Those are actually what they're listed as. Oh I just God. want to be clear. I did not make that up. I am reading to you from Dazzler, 1981, issue number four. OMG. Sarah, this was one of your choices. Talk to me. Tell me about this amazing comic. Can you guess why? (laughs) 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 Yeah. I feel like me loving the first four issues of Dazzler should not surprise anybody. Whenever I was a kid, I remember that Dazzler was one of the comics that nobody wanted to read because they were like, it's terrible, it's so terrible. And I was like, I like it. And then (laughs) whenever I hit my like teenage edgelord phase, I was kind of like, oh, Dazzler like isn't cool. And then once I became a more whole person, I guess, I got back in touch with my Dazzler love and... It was to the betterment of my spirit because this comic is truly ridiculous and amazing. And honestly, it's everything. And I'm not exaggerating because they throw so, so many things into this four issues of comic. So many cameos, so many things happening where you're like, how does that have to do with anything? And you're like, it doesn't matter. This is what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell that they definitely did not super trust Dazzler to be able to hold her own series because they pack the cameos in. However, I think that these cameos are all really good. I enjoyed a lot of them. And you get a good sense of who they are, and the cameos kind of help you understand who Dazzler is a little bit better, too. For instance, in the beginning, whenever she is trying to stop these crooks of some kind, and... (laughs) she runs into Spider-Man who does like a way better job, right? Like Mm Spider-Man just completely shows her up and does away with the villain super fast. And he's just like, cool, well, have fun. And bye, Dazzler. (laughs) Takes off. And Dazzler's just like, oh, God, how embarrassing. And also I'm like looking for a job and I have all these problems. And yeah, so then she's listening to her very specific brand of record player. (laughs) (laughs) which she literally says what kind it is, and it's really funny. And she ends up calling the X-Men, and the X-Men answer the phone, (laughs) which is hilarious to me, just in and of itself. The X-Men are, like, really into Dazzler. Like, really into Dazzler. And, like, there's this one point (laughs) where they have a message for her, and for some reason they send Beast, and Beast has never met Dazzler. (laughs) Yeah. And then he just like pops in her window and he's like, hi, I'm a big fan. (laughs) 
And she's like, oh, hi. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. There's a mini series that's called Beauty and the Beast. And it's totally Dazzler and the Beast having a love story. What? I know. Is it good or is it is it terrible? I'm going to let you decide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of different ways to feel about it. I believe that it is pretty good from what I remember, but I haven't revisited it in a very long time. Yeah, you're like, I'm not going to like like put my hat in the ring for that one. <laughs> I maybe will again soon now that I've talked about it on this podcast, though. If somebody asks us a Beauty and the Beast question, guess what? We'll guess talk we about have it. to talk about it. <laughs> what are your feelings on the miniseries Beauty and the Beast from the 80s? <laughs> I would love to tell you. I would love to find out myself. <laughs> but <laughs> Dazzler looks amazing. We should probably get that out of the way. Dazzler is oh, in her, her 1970s disco design. outfit oh. with the amazing flare pants. She's wearing white. She has the blue eyeshadow, fair hair, everything. Everything. What's also really funny about this, and part of the reason why I think that Dazzler kind of, uh, it had like a long history of kind of struggling a little bit. And I think part of that is because if you look up when did disco die, then it's the year 1980. And this came out in 1981. <laughs> it was so, like their big like disco tie-in and they did not, they didn't think disco was going to end. And it hasn't really, right? Like... Yeah, and and Sarah and I both before recording were like, yeah, we were like asterisk, asterisk. Like, it's only funny because it's funny. There's actually a very like convoluted and problematic history of the way disco was treated because people did not like black people and gay people. So they were like, oh, disco's bad. When Mm -hmm. in reality, it's just like, oh, no, wait, you're just xenophobes. So initially, Dazzler was designed to look like Grace Jones and... We really lost out. They kind of went with like a Bo Derek look. And you can look up interviews with the creators where they talk about stuff like that. Where they're like, oh yeah, that was like my intention. But I don't know. Like even the creators sometimes don't always love Dazzler as much as I do. Because <laughs> I really love Dazzler. And through this whole comic, she's the best, right? You and Rhino, Dazzler's number one fans. Yes, it's true. What I really, really like about this comic, really like, is the colors and the way that they manifest Dazzler's powers. So, you know, Dazzler's ability is to turn sound waves into light. And I love that throughout this comic, people underestimate, like, what can that do? And she's like, I'll show you, bitch. And it's, like, adorable and amazing and and so sweet. But they really draw her powers in this really cool way in the comic where they're sort of drawn as like circles that are sometimes overlapping, sometimes adjacent, but they they come out of her and they're like purple and blue and orange and pink, but they're all pastels. Mm-hmm. And so they just really, they're just such a fun way to draw powers. And I, I don't think everyone gets to have as cool of powers, like as cool of looking powers as Dazzler gets to have. And I just... I loved it. I thought that it was just so evocative. Like, also, there'll be, like, sort of starbursts in the center of the <laughs> of the circles when they're, like, hitting someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, like, it is so cute, and it just, like, takes you there. You're like, I am with Dazzler. She's performing. I've got her beautiful light show washing over me. I am happy. <laughs> She's so cool. And then she kind of doesn't want to be a superhero. And she's always been trying to avoid it. 
This is where we start to see her just go into the realm where she cannot avoid it, which is kind yeah. of a bummer because it it's is like, a bummer. She really doesn't want that much to do with it. She just wants to be like a pop star. And then people are just like, oh, well, you've met the X-Men before, so we should fight you. And Dazzler's like, I time to guess. Fight. I guess. I don't know. So, yeah. There's this panel that like broke my heart when I read it. I totally started crying. And it's Dazzler in her little robe with a little her hair up in a towel. And she's thinking, looking out the window in her thought bubbles say, I've spent two years struggling and sacrificing and I've just hit rock bottom. I hate to give up, but where do I go from here? And I feel like I have been there. I have been there with a creative career. And I think you have too, Sarah. At various times where it's been like, do I just stop doing this? Is this the most I can do? Is there nothing else for me? And I just thought that melancholy was really well captured. And I think you're right, Sarah. There's a whole tragic undertone to this whole series because Dazzler wants to sing. She wants to bring beautiful sound to people and celebrate and have dance parties and be like, Beautiful and loved. That's what she wants to do. Instead, she ends up fighting all kinds of villains, including one of your absolute favorites. And I think you just have to talk a little bit about her for us, Sarah. Oh, yes, because Amora is so good in this story. <laughs> oh, my God. Amora the Enchantress shows up, and she is amazing. I love everything about it. This guy comes up. He's trying to get in her good graces somehow, and she just... turns him into a tree she's just like i don't want to talk to you and just turns him into a tree (laughs) he says something about like wanting to worship her and she's like oh yeah that can be arranged you can worship me for all time as this tree in the middle of my cool bedroom like i love her so (laughs) they go over the top with her to be evil evil in this but to me she's just like oh my god camp icon like she is amazing She is wearing her amazing outfit, of course, because she always looks so, so cool. She always has the best costume design. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then she um, (laughs) goes up head to head with Dazzler in a singing competition, which doesn't make any sense. I have no idea why. She's like, I got to leave Asgard and go do this singing gig. (laughs) She's like, you know what? Actually, Dazzler is really annoying, so I'm going to go compete with her. And then, of course, because Dazzler is the greatest singer and Amora doesn't even try, <laughs> no, Dazzler Amora doesn't wins. try at all. Yeah, she just walks in just like, I'm beautiful, like, I don't have to try. And then Dazzler's like, okay, well, I've been training and training and training, and here's mine. And here's my beautiful light show, and... Dazzler gets the job, and Amora <laughs> smashes through the wall and just walks off. <laughs> First, she does that, like, you know, Arthur clenching his fist meme. She does that. (laughs) Then she just walks through a hole in the wall (laughs) that she clearly made. (laughs) That she made, yeah. So she has walked through the hole in the wall at this point. She is out in the rain in, in New York City. New York City? I think. I don't know. And she says, to no one, tremble humans. Let your hearts chill with the knowledge that return I shall. And on that day, you shall both pay for this unseemly affront. (laughs) Dearly, 
shall you pay? <laughs> I, there's no reason she leaves. Like, why do they have to pay later? Why doesn't she make them pay then? No clue. <laughs> where is she going? We don't know where she's going. She's just <laughs> walking down the sidewalk. Um, you shall pay after my coffee. Also, what's the affront? Literally just you like lost a, competition. a better singer than you. Um <laughs> Which makes perfect sense. She is fucking pissed. She is infuriated. And then, of course, this leads to an ongoing feud. (laughs) Because it always does. She does come back. I love this era of her so much because she is just like all spite. And it's really funny to me. And I like her a lot. So we're at the beginning of issue two. Dazzler is now getting ready for her big performance, and she's very nervous. She says far out a lot, which I really, (laughs) really like. And then, like, the Fantastic Four are getting ready to come see her, and Kitty Pride is running around with Nightcrawler, and, oh, Captain America is coming. Oh, and Janet Van Dyne, who's there to critique Captain America's outfit, (laughs) which I was here for. Loved it. Janet. Then there's like Storm in the background and Tony Stark is there. But then at the end of the issue, they're all like, oh no, where did all these superheroes come from? And it's like, you're the superheroes. You are them. (laughs) What do you mean, where did they come from? You came here. (laughs) Where did you come from? (laughs) So Enchantress is like, I'm going to get this bitch. I'm going to fuck up her opportunity, her big break. And so then she magically shows up scaring a backstage person. And she says, Thus, with a simple rune, I bend space and time to transport myself to the cloaked area behind the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of the greatest panels of all time is her with her hands, like in a little super stereotypically witch posture, looking at the reader and saying, the use of too much sorcerous energy may disturb the cosmic matrix necessary to keep the rift open. I think the rift to go back home. I must use my magic sparingly. (laughs) But she's making full out like Bridget Helm in Metropolis hands and face (laughs) and is just like, so funny. I am evil. Oh my God, I love her so much. Also, the cover of this comic is incredible. It has Dazzler and Amora fighting, and it says, Last Stand in Disco Land. <laughs> yes. Um, so, of course, naturally, the disco ball comes into play. There is a disco ball, and it is a part of the plot line. Um, As you do. It's how she takes out Amora, which is honestly like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. (laughs) No notes. No notes. Love it. It's just like all of the cool like circles of Dazzler's power going out in all of the different directions and Amora just like falls down, I guess. But then everyone else tries to fight Amora and she's like, nope, nope, solved, easy, no big deal. (laughs) But then Dazzler's like, it's up to me. (laughs) I'm the one. She yells, Zounds, I am undone. And stand revealed before yon gaping populace. Like anybody's actually surprised that this was Amora. She like thought that she was pulling it the fuck off, right? So funny. I thought I I got you guys good. (laughs) Tis no meek flower of fainting heart I do face. Methinks Dazzler doth possess the avenging heart of a warrior born and a power and fury all her own. Now see, now I ship them because like she's just kind of like, hey, she beat me. 
And I'm just like, I mean. Oh my God, this is where my two favorite things happen. The things that I want to make into a t-shirt. So <laughs> Dazzler comes sprinting on her skates. Always on the skates. I love it. And says, Enchantress, I want you, mama. <laughs> <laughs> then a couple of pages later, Enchantress looks at her with like her hands and she's like, you know, wringing her hands together evilly. And she says, let anticipation add to thy misery. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. I love it so much. It's, it's ridiculous. So then she leaves. In that issue, she goes to the record Record dealer? I don't know what these people are. She is literally like hip deep in these like really sketchy music industry types. Like that is like immediate oh, yeah. and it lasts throughout the entire series. Dazzler is always kind of with somebody who's like, oh, this guy who I'm dating is like really great for my career or like, you know, something like that where you're just like, God, it's always weird. It's always weird in here. But she's talking to the creepy guy and <laughs> the X-Men the Avengers and the Fantastic Four all show up outside the window and yell at him. And he's like, I'm not going to give her an addition because you're here. They bust through his like huge windows <laughs> and like force him. But then Wolverine takes a little bow to like be respectful. I don't understand what that has to do with anything, but it's adorable. And then she, she performs and guess what? He loves it. Yep. Sketchy, it is sketchy, so sketchy. Ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. So after that, I hope that we've either sold you on these comics and or you stopped listening a while ago because they're great. But then after that, she comes face to face with Doctor Doom for issues three and four. And it's really funny because there's no reason for it. Basically, she just runs into him and she's like, yeah, I don't even want to deal with this at all. And he's just like, guess what? I'm going to kidnap you. <laughs> I'm real mad. I'm Dr. Doom. You've got my jewels. It's, yeah. Everyone's like, what? Dr. Doom, Doom What jewels? jewels? Where did this come from? All of a sudden <laughs> with the jewels. I don't quite understand. Oh, it's so funny. It's, it's great. It's like clearly they just wanted a big name villain so that people would tune in for it. But the secret coolest part is whenever she goes up against Mirror Universe Dazzler. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's epic. I don't remember any of the circumstances around that, but I do remember being really into it. Yeah. She also, like, at some point gets stuck in the seams between realities, and she has to, like, roller skate really fast. That's like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she fights Nightmare for a hot second. Yes, like, I mean, right, these right. comics... I feel like we've been talking for a really long time. Yeah, like 17 minutes or something. And literally, it's because there is so much in every single issue of the first four issues of this ongoing series. There is so, so much. Everything we just said, there's more. They pack a remarkable amount in. There's a guy wearing like a white heart in the middle <laughs> of like a red t-shirt. And yeah, who like, is that guy? Who is he? I have no idea. <laughs> It's like, this is one of those comics, it's like when we did the Ghost Rider comic for episode 61, it's it's whenever we do these throwback comics, they're just so fun. I like them because it's like an easy dip into, like, you don't have to read all the comics from the 80s to know what comics were like in the 80s. You read this fucking Dazzler comic, you're going to get the best of what those early 80s comics were doing. You know, you read uh, that Ghost Rider from 1978, you're going to get some of the best of what 
<laughs> ghostwriter comics were doing in the 70s, you know? So I think mm-hmm. this is another one of those where it's just like, if you love comics, you're going to see so many roots of like the things you love today and where they started and how bizarre they were. <laughs> and it'll be just another piece of the puzzle on why I love Amora the Enchantress so much. Because you have to understand, I was reading this comic when I was like a little kid. So like... The impact, I mean, I'm not going to say that Dazzler wasn't impactful because I really enjoy Dazzler even to this day. And after this, she joins the X-Men. It gets super, super interesting. There's all kinds of stuff with her. She's a very interesting character to me, and I love her a lot. But my love for her, Mora, is great and true. And I think that this story, a lot of people will read it and be like, I really hate that character. She's so evil. And I was just like, I love this character so much and like loved her since I was a kid because I just think that she's so funny and has such a good outfit. And I love that her motivation is all times is I wanted to. I just felt like it. And it's like, okay, I love that. Whatever. (laughs) I'm like immortal. Do you understand how bored I am? Like everything is so boring. All I do is mess with people because that's all I have to do. I'm like turning dudes into trees up here like I'm bored out of my mind Thor is my ex is what I'm saying like I've done it all and them all you know (laughs) that's what I think this is the queer rep we need (laughs) this is more of the enchantress the like angry bisexual who turns men into trees when they're boring done and done (laughs) I love her and I love these issues everything we said is true it's the best We're a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So (laughs) we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.